Hey friends, this is Andy Storch, and I'm excited to announce that we are bringing the Talent Development Think Tank Conference back on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. Yes, you might remember we hosted this conference for the first time in January 2020, and it was a huge hit with everyone telling us it was the best conference they ever attended. And of course, we were looking forward to running it again in 2021 until the pandemic hit. That's when I launched the Talent Development Think Tank membership community, and that's been going strong since May of 2020. But I know how valuable it is to get people together in person, and that's why we are excited to be bringing the conference back again on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. I'm committed to making this a highly engaging and interactive event where you can connect, learn, and grow together with other talent development professionals. This is going to be the best event out there in talent development, and I would love to see you there. If you want to find more information and get your tickets today, the website is tdtt.us conference. That's tdtt.us slash conference. I hope to see you there. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat, a show where I interview business executives, talent development professionals, and thought leaders to find out what has been successful and challenging in the world of talent development. My objective is to share ideas, valuable lessons, tools, advice, and trends. My hope is that all of this will ultimately help you, the listener, expand your knowledge, grow your career, and accelerate your success as a talent development professional. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat. I am your host, Andy Storch, and today I have a couple quick interviews for you from the ATD Ascend Conference in Tampa, Florida. I had the pleasure of attending on Friday, September 20th, and I was there last year. They invited me last year to come and conduct interviews live from the conference and That went really well. So if you hadn't heard that episode, you can go back a year ago uh, to listen to that. And this year they invited me back and also invited me to speak at the conference. And I had a breakout session on the top five trends in talent development. And I'll tell you at the end of this episode how that one went. And I thought it went really well. I also did some great networking. I ran into some friends, people I'd met last year, made some new friends. And I had a table set up to conduct interviews from the conference this year. And I completely dropped the ball because... As I often do, I was off talking to people for a lot of the time and preparing my presentation, and I only managed to conduct two interviews from the conference uh, at the table, uh, one with uh, John Connell, who was the opening keynote speaker, and another with uh, Nick Washburn, who's an expert on XAPI and adaptive learning. And so I have both of those interviews for you today. Uh, One's about 15 minutes, the next one's about eight minutes, and then I have a, on the way back, my drive back, I recorded a, a little solo episode of myself talking about the talk that I gave about the top five trends in talent development. I think that's about seven or eight minutes as well. Uh, So check these out. Hopefully you'll find one or all of them useful. Uh, Give me feedback if you have it. And uh, I will be at more conferences soon. And speaking of conferences, in case you have not heard or checked it out, I am hosting my own conference later this year called the Talent Development Think Tank. It is on November 6th and 7th in Sonoma, California. As I record this, uh, we have... Gotten, we're close to 100 tickets sold, and we're probably maxing out at maybe 115 or so. So we're getting close to sold out. Might even be sold out by the time you listen to this. Uh, go check out uh, tdtt.us or talentdevelopmentthinktank.com uh, to see if tickets are still available. And uh, check out the agenda, the speakers we have, everything lined up. We'll be podcasting from there as well uh, as some other conferences coming up. And I'm so excited about that and everything else going on. So go check out our website, talentdevelopmentthinktank.com, and I hope to see you out there on the road. Cheers.
I'm here now with John Connell, who is an executive producer, stage manager, event show caller at Connell and Crew Television Production, and uh, really experienced in the world of entertainment and leadership as well, and was the opening keynote speaker here today at ATD Ascend. John, welcome to the podcast. Andy, thank you. It's a delight to spend some time talking to you. Yeah, uh, we, you just basically walked off stage about 15 minutes ago. I had the pleasure of watching your opening keynote, and you covered a variety of subjects related to leadership's role in change and employee engagement. What was kind of your, your overall goal for that presentation? The overall goal for me was to, to let the audience know how important the leader's role is in employee engagement. You know, it's, it's not just about the a company that you work for. It's not just about your salary. It's not about your benefits. It's so much more. And employees are interested in career development. They're interested in using their talents and understanding how their talents integrate into the bigger picture. And of course, your trust in leadership. You know, the employees need to know what what is going on in the organization and, and has their senior leadership really you know, communicated a, a strategic vision that's going to motivate them and inspire them. So for me, it was just letting the group know how important it is at the senior leader level. That's where the, the real progress can be made as far as an employee engagement. So that's kind of the goal I had today. Yeah. And now you're not just some consultant coming in telling people, you know, how they should be doing leadership. I mean, you have had some serious leadership roles. Tell me a little bit about your background and what qualifies you. Sure. Well, you know, my, my SME, if you will. Yeah. Right? Uh, you know, I'm a subject matter expert in television, television production, but um, I've been a leader in, in several organizations. Back back on Long Island, you know, I, I ran a, a cablevision local programming group where I had maybe 30 people on the team. When I um, worked for HSN Home Shopping Network here, I had four departments that, that I ran. I ran the you know, television operations, uh, backstage operations, culinary team, sets and lighting. I had a big team there, about 185 people. I then worked for BISC, where at times I had maybe 85 people, BISC education. So I've had big teams, and I was never formally trained. I don't have you know, a whole bunch of initials after my name in leadership. I didn't write a book, but I have been blessed to have been given the opportunity to work for organizations where the team really was underperforming and they were unengaged. And so I've done four different times where basically I turned around the team from an employee engagement point of view and I got that team firing on all cylinders where now they could do anything. You know, They were happy to be there. They were talented. They were skilled. They knew their career opportunities in the organization and they were just you know, really, really an excited, productive workforce. Yeah, and you mentioned those turnarounds. You talked uh, in your presentation about uh, how important it is to come in and spend time with each team member, getting to know people, what their challenges are, what their fears are, what they're excited about, understanding what's going on in the organization before you come out with a strategy and start telling people where they should be going. So really getting in touch with everyone working there. How did you develop that philosophy? Were there any mentors that you learned from? or Actually, no, not, not in that regard. And, and I've had some good leaders in the past and things where I worked and I certainly had some poor ones too but it just seemed like a natural thing to me when I first started and, and the biggest job and challenge that I had in this particular, you know, question or conversation, this is my word for HSN. When I first got there, there was maybe 100 people on the team that I inherited, and I wanted to talk to everybody. 
I wanted, I spent, I, I literally, the first thing I did was I booked 15 minute interviews with a hundred employees and that was a 24 seven operation yeah. and I did it on their time, mm. right? So we had an overnight shift. So I went in at midnight and you know, I booked, you know, 15 minute meetings with everyone because um, I wanted to feel what, you know, what was going on and what I told them hey I don't know if I'm going to be here for a year I don't know if I'm going to be here for 20 years if I was to leave in a year what would I have to achieve as your leader for you to say wow that guy came in and he got a lot of positive things done and some of them were oh gee I don't know that's a tough question and others were like oh you got to do this you got to do this you got to do this so it gave me basically the, the punch list of things that I had to work on and some things you could fix and, and some things you couldn't fix but at least I understood what was on their mind so I could you know really roll up my sleeves and start diving into you know getting some things accomplished yeah uh, you talked about uh, the leader's role really being to empower and challenge people to get better and really fulfill their true potential in their role and that it also doesn't mean that you let people get off easy if they're not doing their job, that you provide a lot of tough love as well. Talk about that. Oh, absolutely. One thing I would say with, you know, I've got a job. We've got to perform, you know, whatever it is, you know, whatever. And at HSM, we had to put out the best quality production so that we could sell the product. I mean, that's what we were there for. It was one big TV commercial. Mm -hmm. So my team, you know, the the audio guys, the graphic guys, the directors, you know, they have to definitely perform. And and I've always led with what I call gentle, firm pressure until I get the desired results. So I'm the boss. At the end of the day, people can do what I need them to do. Right? Otherwise, they're not going to work there. And that's just how business is. However, I don't have to come beat them up with a hammer at first. Right? <laughs> Let's be gentle. But yeah. gentle, firm pressure until we get the desired results. And related to that, you talked about people taking responsibility. I mean, I think one of the biggest challenges and problems in society, especially corporate cultures, is kind of the blame mentality, right? Well, it's not my responsibility to do this. It was someone else's fault that this happened and I'm not going to take responsibility to fix it. And you told a story about how you helped a a director really change um, their approach to a situation. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Sure. I had a... uh... A young director, a young television director, who um, it was his job, obviously, to direct the show, make the show well, and and the guest or the host or the client, and it was a fashion product, and uh, the client at the end of the show was just not happy with his young performance, and the show wasn't good, and, and she she was right, the show wasn't good. Mm-hmm. You know, we were missing shots. You know, we didn't have the right. You know, when she's talking about you know the purple blouse, you know, we're showing the white trousers and you know things like that. Yeah. And uh, when I spoke to the director, I didn't only. Been there at this time for maybe a couple of weeks, but when I spoke to the director about it, well, it wasn't my fault because you know the camera guy wasn't paying attention and, and the lady didn't have the I mean the, the coordinator was supposed to have the didn't have it there. And so one, I have to listen and say, okay, let's identify the problems. I'm not gonna beat him up and blame everything on him. However, I had to stress the importance that it is his job to fix it. You know, we're no longer gonna ignore problems, right? We're gonna identify what the problems are. Keep it, you know, in perspective, right? Not the end of the world. We failed, no big deal, but you can't fail again and you can't fail the same thing. Mm -hmm. So let him know that he did have the responsibility and the authority to go to all these different areas that really failed him and failed, you know, to do their job so that we couldn't achieve what the common goal was, which is a great TV show. And then to find out, you know, what are their struggles and and then, you know, put all the dots together. So if their struggles, you know, were real and valid, like they they couldn't find the white blouse 
else or whatever the case may be, then we've got to fix that. Yeah. But if the problem was that they just weren't paying attention or they didn't care or they didn't take this seriously, well, that's a whole different problem. And then that's where I as a leader can come in and then, you know, we can manage that. Yeah, and uh, a lot about personal responsibility there because people go around blaming and then no one ever fixes anything. And this person, you're not only telling them to take personal responsibility, but they are managing others. They need to give that feedback and coaching to get their team performing. And Andy, that's just right, because he he thought that, you know, it wasn't his job. And he not only that it wasn't his job, but that, you know, he would be, you know, a bad guy or a pain in the ass or whatever mm-hmm. to go do this. And instead, no, if if the person that has that responsibility to do, they can go around and have the communication with the team that, you know, is dropping the ball, right? So one of the things I, I, I talk about, you know, sometimes you can drop the ball, you're going to fumble, right? Yeah. So when you fumble the ball, the, the key to our success is what do we do after we fumble? You know, do we even acknowledge that we fumbled? Do we kick the ball around? Does it, you know, stay fumbled for the ground? You pick the damn ball up, right? Pick it, hold it tight and go forward. So... What I was able to do with him is is give him the power, right? So now his boss is saying, you have the power. If anybody gives you a hard time, he's going to come see me. Yeah. And then you know, I will give you the backing that you need. But once we did that, he then realized, well, I, I, I do. All, all I really had to say is, hey, camera guy, you know, come on, pay attention. You know, let's go. And, and he started to do that. So when he realized that he had the empowerment and then when he saw the benefits of having all the team together working in the, in the, in the common goal and, again, firing them all cylinders it, it just sparked a, a level of confidence and importance in what he did he realized that no he, he is the one that can decide whether we have a good show or a bad show right he may never have that conversation with the camera guy to explain why it's so important that you get the right shot to get the white pants versus the purple blouse when she's talking about it and to me it's like it's like how the hell could this not happen right. how could you not have that conversation right. but that was the culture that was there when i started is that they weren't really you know pushing the that you know mm-hmm. it was not a free-for-all i don't want to make it sound like that obviously it was a successful company yep. but a part of it also going from good to great you know you so saw i talked about the right. book from jim collins i mean they thought they were good you know i thought they were you know not so good, not so but, good yeah. but but my thing is how do we go from good to great and it's by addressing you know the, the brutal facts you right. know the brutal facts is that you know we're not performing we're not getting it done and more importantly if you've got a client who's not happy how the hell and that's what i want to teach my team is guys if if you're coming into work you're spending 40 hours a week and the person you're trying to make happy is not happy mm. how does that make you feel I mean that's yeah. gotta suck yeah. no I want, to, I, want, I want to help them be in a position where they you know do their job and everybody that they work for is, is really you know, patting them on the back and saying hey man great job today hey thank you hey I can't wait till we do it again, mm. again tomorrow yeah. and, and once we can build that type of you know, feeling holy hell that's when the employees really get engaged because now they know they're bringing value to the organization and in many cases they always could you know yeah. it's Dorothy right you know with the, with the shoes she always yeah. had the ability to go home that's right. she just didn't know it so you know many employees that what the leader has to do is just unleash the the talent and the authority within them to know you you guys have the ability to do this right let's start doing it right yeah a lot of executives or business managers out there uh, might have the misconception or the, the feeling that 
uh, you know, I just need to take care of my job and it's HR's job to take care of these, you know, performance management issues. And you don't agree with that. Tell me more about where do, what do you think HR's job is and the, and the executive's role in this? Well, it's funny because that did come up and, yeah. and all of a sudden I, I got a little nervous when mm. we're talking about it. I say, hey, is there anyone here from HR? Because yeah. I didn't want to speak out of turn. But as you saw, they were very supportive of what I'd say yeah. is that performance management is not the job of, you know, the HR team. It's it's not. Now, it is their job. They provide tools and they can provide coaching and they provide training. Right. You know, in managing the individual employee relationship is up to the supervisor, the manager, or the director of the department or the VP, whoever it may be, to it's their job. And what I found, you know, many employees, managers or supervisors, and it goes really up in some organizations all the way up to the CEO. They're not equipped, or at least they're, they're uncomfortable having difficult conversations and telling somebody that, hey, you're not really performing to the expectation. That's not a difficult conversation. It certainly shouldn't be. It's, it's basic. Hey, I need X. You're not giving me X. And if you don't give me X, well, Y is going to happen. And in some cases, it's, you might have to leave the organization. And for me, it's always been my style. And I think the employees that you manage if they don't expect it, it's because they don't know it, they haven't seen it done, but they should expect it and they have the right to straight up, honest, open communication all the time. And if that communication is, hey, you're not really performing to where I need you to perform, well, then you have to have that. Because the worst thing in the world, and, and you know, the HR team certainly agree with this, is, let, let me backtrack. If, if I had, so as a leader of the department, you know, say I had four departments and a director of one of the departments, you know, when it came time to do the, the year-end performance evaluation, I wanted to see every single one of their employees' evaluations before they, you know, you know delivered the, the evaluation to the team. Because in some of them, it was, you know, Bob's not doing this and he's not doing this and he really stinks at this. And I would say, hey, have you told Bob before that he stinks at this? Yeah. Well, not really. Yeah. I said, dude, never spring this on. You know, no employee should see something in their employee evaluation for the first time. Right. Like they, you know, nobody should be blindsided. Right. Nobody should, you know, if you six months ago you showed up late to work and we're going to talk about it now. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And those are the things. And then, you know, managing the, the relationships at any time, somebody will come into me and say, Oh, you know, Hey boss, I, you know, I'm really not, happy you know again with bob you know and you know i think we should fire him so well you know what's going on and and you said well you know they just did they, they did and sure enough he hasn't had they haven't had the conversation they haven't provided coaching and in one case and i had a, a manager who worked for me and he had said listen i'm really really unhappy with what's going on you know with bob's performance and you know i, I would write him up you know i'm gonna put him on a few i said well, what's going on hey it's always coming late to work and, you know all these different things i said well let's let's have a conversation with him first right now have the conversation with the employee find out what's going on see if you can fix it before you immediately jump into a situation where you're writing them up you know it's it's the worst term in the world to write you up right people shouldn't be feared that they're going to get written up and nobody ever comes back from that anyway right exactly i mean you know i understand in some cases there's a process you have to follow and you gotta give people fair warning you gotta document things but right. i don't want to spend time writing people up i want to identify the problem i want to talk about it i want to fix it as quickly 
with me as we can. Yeah. John, we got to wrap things up here. Any final thoughts on leadership? God, you know, leader, it's, it's an honor. It's an honor. It's a privilege. It's a blessing to be in the role of, leader, of a leader. And um, yeah, people just take it seriously because you're impacting the careers of the people you lead. In some cases, their lives. I mean, you know, they look up to you as a leader. So you know, just be worthy of that. All right. Thank you, John Connell. It's been great to have you on the podcast today. Andy, thank you. This episode of the Talent Development Hot Seat is brought to you by Advantage Performance Group. We help organizations develop great people. For more information about this podcast and Advantage Performance, you can go to advantageperformance.com slash hot seat. And now on to the show. Hey, I am here now with Nick Washburn, who is Director of Business Development at JCA Solutions. And uh, Nick just came by the table. We were just chatting about what he does and started really getting into the concept of XAPI, which I hear about here and there. I think a lot of people are interested in and maybe don't know that much about. And uh, so I thought it'd be interesting to just have a quick conversation because you said that uh, you might be writing a book on this. You were on the board of a group that basically created XAPI a few years ago, right? Right. It was initially created uh, by the Advanced Distributed Learning Initiative. It's a government agency, the ADL, and they, uh, they're the stewards for SCORM and AICC and the other e-learning standards for reporting, and they, uh, they created XAPI in 2014. I was one of the least, and I was part of that work group. And now it's becoming an IEEE standard, and I'm part of that effort too. And, and, and I'm writing a book. So And you're writing a book. A, yeah, A Press recently contracted me to write a book, uh, Practical Learning Analytics with Experience API. It's a guide, and it'll have some software that you can use to help get started with it. And, Okay, so uh, we're talking about this, and for people that are not that familiar, what is XAPI? It's essentially the same kind of technology that uh, is used, you know, by uh, Facebook and others. It's activity stream technology, so it allows you to get a contextual stream of what people are doing and how they're learning. And you can also put data in there in the XAPI statements around objectives and goals and competencies. And um, you can listen for, you know, the types of future concepts in learning, like adaptive training and those types of things. They're going to have to be facilitated by a technology that will be able to collect that type of contextual data. And that's what XAPI does. It allows for for that type of um, evalu- you know, evaluation. Yeah, so, so if I'm in a big company and I've got a lot of people going through different training and development programs, learning and development programs, whether it's classroom or digital, uh, micro-learning, this is going to allow me to track what people are doing and I understand it help make recommendations as well? You can, correct. Yeah, I've, I've done some work around automated tutoring where you can tell that there's a deficiency based on the data that you're getting and then recommend that someone work on a deficiency or you can inform competency models with this kind of data. Essentially most everything happens uh, in e-learning and training in the web browser Mm -hmm. these days. And anything that happens in the web browser can become an XAPI statement in in context. So basically becomes data that you can track and then do something. Right. It's like that creepy kind of technology where, you know, 
you're shopping for for truck tires and, yeah. and there's ads following you around all over the place. It's right, kind of that right. that creepy technology for good. Yeah. It's learning. It's like Google Analytics for learning. Yeah. That's really kind of what XAPI helps to do. Okay. And you said it's uh, it's soon going to be uh, IEEE certified. It is. It's so IEEE is an organiz- a standards organization, and when it becomes kind of official, then that's going to mean probably billions of dollars in government money for uh, conforming to the specification and keeping it going and all that kind of stuff. So it allows interoperability. All the different types of, like you were saying, if, if you have an organization where People are learning in all these different ways. They don't just learn in the learning management system. They might learn in augmented reality or mobile apps and yeah. all that. And uh, essentially, the problem is it's a kind of a data acquisition problem. Training managers don't really have a good insight into the path that someone took through all these different technologies. Right. And XAPI is a layer that of uh, of a data standard that you can add to get everything talking the same language going into one place a learning record store and now you can have data from a bunch of different places and also if you want to change out a system and you have it reporting xapi data then you don't have to worry about data conversion when you switch to a different system it's all standard it's all in right so that those are kind of some of the finer points of, of what makes we need something like XAPI if we're going to get into the modern type yeah. of training techniques. And uh, this was created specifically. The format of it is activity. If you Google activity stream mm-hmm. technology, it uses an actor verb object type of a format. I did this. Yep. And you string all of that along and it becomes this, you know, contextual activity stream of what someone was doing in, in the context that they were doing it. Okay, interesting. Add all of that information to the data. And then so basically what you're saying is this has been available, companies are using it, but it's been, it hasn't been regulated or standardized. It's a little bit wild west, but now it's, it's going to be standardized through this. It is. Yeah, I think one of the, one of the biggest things missing in XAPI is middlewares that generate the XAPI for you. So a lot of people get it and they understand it, and then they try to start working with XAPI and they run into kind of a technical blocker because you need something that's going to, uh, like a little app that's going to generate XAPI for you. Okay. And um, that's one of the things I'm going to be giving away with the book is a little middleware, like a connector that'll... To help people with that. Okay. My next question was going to be, I know you're working on this book, you're going to be giving that away for people who are in, you know, HR talent development who are thinking about using this. You know, I've had people on, on the podcast in the past from big companies like Siemens that are doing it. But let's say if you're like a mid-sized company, can you start using this yourself? Do you need to work with an outside consulting firm? Or- you can. It's, you know, it takes a, a web developer yeah. to just read up on the standard and how it works. It doesn't take a high level of technical ability to, to start working with it, but you do have to have some understanding. Okay. So right now it takes, hopefully we'll get to the place where it just kind of works like yeah. the authoring tools do and things like that. Right. But right now we're in a place where you do kind of need a web developer. Okay. Most organizations, training organizations have, they have a competent web developer right. on staff and 
you can start working with it. Yeah, so you just need a developer who can come in. And, and right, and there's open source learning record stores, so you can do it yourself, or you can, there's some vendors out there that are learning record stores providers. Right. Veracity okay. LRS is one, uh, Watershed LRS is another. Okay, interesting. We gotta uh, wrap this up, Nick. Uh, JCA has one too called XAPI Bridge. Yeah. Okay. So don't forget, yeah, don't forget yeah, about your company. company. Yeah. Is there uh, any parting thoughts on XAPI? Things that you think people need to know right now? I would say that. So I say this a lot. The rest of the business quantifies their existence with data. Mm. And the train department is not doing that. Right. And this is a way for you to start doing that. It's, it's easy. It's not hard to implement. Yep. You just have to, you know, have a web developer type of right. person and you can start working with it and, and get better data, get better evaluation data yeah. from Ex your training. That's excellent. I mean, people ask all the time in this space about uh, measurement. Um, because it's becoming more and more important if you want to be seen as a, a partner in the business. So this sounds really helpful. Absolutely. Nick, thank you so much for stopping by the table and joining yeah, me on the podcast. You. Thank you very much. All right. Hey, everybody. I just left the ATD Ascend conference, and uh, I didn't get nearly as many interviews done as I wanted to today because I was just walking around talking to people, popping into sessions, and got in so many great conversations. And frankly, I forgot. So I only have the interviews that I brought to you. But I will give you one more, which I'm going to interview myself, which is hard to do. Maybe I'll just talk because I just finished my session uh, before I left. And I was speaking, uh, leading a session on the top five trends in talent development. And if you have been listening to my podcast for a long time, you know or may remember that I created and released a report called the Top 5 Trends in Talent Development. Uh, that report has led to a lot of great uh, opportunities to connect with people and also led to an opportunity to speak at this ATV conference today. And so that's what I spoke on. If you haven't gotten a copy of that report, you can head on over to advantageperformance.com trends. That's advantageperformance.com trends. And you can get a copy of that report. All you have to do is enter your name and email address and you will get a PDF copy of the top five trends in talent development, which these are not my trends. I didn't make these trends up. If I did, I probably would have created something more biased towards me or my business. Uh, but these are the trends that I heard from, at the time it was 80 plus interviews, now I've done over 100. And uh, I asked all my guests, you know, what trend are you following? And then um, I worked with my assistant and we, you know, we grouped all of them together and categorized them and got the top five trends, created the report, uh, led to the opportunity to speak today. And uh, when I spoke today, I was, you know, I introduced myself as not an expert, right? I'm a facilitator. Um, I conduct interviews, conversations with people. I've learned a lot about HR and talent development and what people are struggling with and what best practices they have and what trends they're working on. And I wanted to share those. And I also wanted to hear from other people what they were working on and what they were seeing out there. So the top five trends um, I talked about, you can get them in the report. One of them is uh, about the employee experience. So treating your employees uh, as a customer, uh, which I've talked about in other episodes. Another one is about uh, e-learning at scale. That's uh, number four, I believe. Uh, one of them is about adaptive learning and using XAPI, which we heard about earlier today. And uh, just you know, using data and coding to get better at understanding what is working and what to recommend to your learners. And uh, we also had uh, number two, catering to the learning experience, uh, learner experience, you know, meeting learners where they are. And the number one trend 
is uh, micro learning. And micro learning, as, as I joked in the session, it's proof that I don't give a biased report because I, I do, you know, full disclosure, my main business is I sell and run training and development. I connect companies with great learning programs and I don't offer really any kind of micro learning. So I have nothing to gain by putting it at number one. It's just what I've been hearing. And as someone in my session pointed out, it's been around since 2005, but it's really hitting critical mass and popularity now as more companies see, hey, this is how people learn at home. As I said in the session, when your washer or dryer breaks, where's the first place you go to figure out how to fix it? And the answer was YouTube. Everybody said YouTube. So people are watching quick hit videos to learn how to do things. Why wouldn't you do that at work? And of course, there are providers out there like LinkedIn Learning and Udemy and Khan Academy and a whole bunch of others. And so we talked about that. We had open discussion. People in the room were talking about the, the things that they were using. Um, a few people said they're using LinkedIn Learning and talked about what's working and what's not working. And uh, it was a great conversation. I, honestly, I was a little bit worried going into it that it would not be enough, enough information. Uh, maybe this gets down to like one of the critical core fears. If you look at, you know, Tony Robbins, if you follow him, talks about the two biggest fears at the end of the day, like no matter what you're stressed or afraid about it, it boils down to wondering uh, or fearing that I'm not enough or I won't be loved, right? I'm wondering, am I not going to be enough in this presentation? But I facilitated it, like I said, as a discussion instead of coming across as the speaker expert. And uh, I got some great accolades, really great engagement. People came up to me afterwards, talked to these women from a large healthcare company who told me that it was the best session they've been to today. And there are multiple breakouts. Uh, in fact, the woman who told me that said, this is the only session where I actually took notes. And uh, I was flattered. I was honored. That was really cool. And I just heard you know, many people, multiple people tell me that I was a great facilitator, which was really cool to, to hear. I was glad that everybody was so engaged. You know, I saw everyone paying attention and, and participating and speaking up and um, contributing. That's what I wanted. It's not about me. It's not about the things that I brought to the table. It is about everyone in the room being able to contribute ideas. And that's what it should be about if you're a facilitator. I know we have a lot of people listening who are facilitators. You know this, right? You already know this to be true. And so this is a reminder to everyone. If you are a facilitator, it's not about you. It's about the people in the room. How do we draw out great knowledge from them and get them to contribute? And that's what I try to do all the time, whether I am facilitating or giving an actual keynote talk. By the way, this trends report and the other topics that I've been speaking on lately uh, are available. You can download the PDF and I can also come to your next offsite and lead a, you know, facilitate a conversation about it for your HR team, starting to get those requests as well. Anyway, that is a wrap. Uh, I'm actually recording this in the car as I'm driving home from the ATD uh, Suncoast conference. That's a first for me, but I wanted to try to beat traffic and um, record at the same time. So I hope it sounds okay. Uh, what a great conference they put on. You know, I know ATD has different chapters uh, all around the country and some like the one where I live in Orlando, not that big. In Tampa, they do a great job. And this conference had about 140 people, I think. Uh, the opening keynote was, was packed and the sessions were, it was very lively. It was really great to see. I love being part of things like that. And um, I'm looking forward to going to another conference next week. And of course, my own conference, the Talent Development Think Tank, is coming up November 6th and 7th. By the time you listen to this, uh, it may be over. If it's not, go look it up, get your tickets. It's gonna be the most engaging, interactive conversation out there on the planet. I hope to see you there. Thank you again for listening. And remember, if you want to get a copy of 
the Trends Report, as well as any of the other new reports that I'm putting out. Uh, we're going to have a ton of free resources. We've got the most recommended books. I'm coming out soon with the uh, most often advice that is given by talent development professionals. That's all going to be available on our website, talentdevelopmenthotseat.com. And as I mentioned, you can go there and get the trends report. And the, the quick link to get to the trends is advantageperformance.com slash trends. All right, that's it. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I would love for you to share, to subscribe, to share, to rate and review the podcast and uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. Take care. Hey friends, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Talent Development Hot Seat. I am always grateful for everyone who tunes in, who listens, who subscribes, and who have left reviews for our podcast on iTunes. By the way, if you haven't done that yet, it would mean the world to me. Head on over to iTunes, take one minute, write a quick review. It helps our podcast grow, and I really appreciate your support. As my gift to you, I have created a report of the top five trends impacting talent development this year. And if you haven't grabbed that report yet, you can head on over to advantageperformance.com slash trends. That's advantageperformance.com slash trends. You can download my report of the top five trends impacting talent development in 2019, as well as sign up for our newsletter to get updates on everything that is going on. Thanks again for tuning in. Thanks for listening to the Talent Development Hot Seat. If you got value out of this show, please subscribe, leave a review, and share with your colleagues and friends. We want to spread the word and add as much value to the talent development community as possible, and we need your help. As always, you can find more information and connect with me at talentdevelopmenthotseat.com. Take care.